0: I invite you to hear this word from the prophet Isaiah, chapter eleven, verse one through ten. The words of which can be found in the back of your bulletin, or you can simply read along as I read with you. I invite you to hear these words: Out oh, of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt, and truth, like an undergarment. In that day, the the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And the little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear, the cub, and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your love, for your grace, and for your hope amongst us. And Lord, as we turn into this time of devotion, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to your word speaking to us. Turn out the distraction of our day and our lives so that we may hear what you have for us. Lord, may I become less so that you may be more. And may the words of my heart and meditation, my soul, be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So what are you expecting this Christmas? If you ask my children that, they would probably tell you a bunch of toys, a bunch of goodies in the stocking that I still need to buy. They would probably tell you some books or maybe even a new pair of clothes. My kids somehow enjoy getting clothes more than any other child that I know, especially Noah in hats for some reason. He loves his hats. But when we ask that question, especially in this month and in this time of year, we often think about those things that are going to be underneath the tree in two or three weeks. We think about what we get out of Christmas. When we think about what we expect or what we anticipate, we think about those things that we get on Christmas morning. Or those things that we hope someone will buy for us, that piece of jewelry, or that brand new tire, or that Civil War book. We act as though Christmas is about us, as if it is our birthday. But what are we expecting to experience this Advent and Christmas? What are we expecting to experience as a result of living as Advent people? What are we expecting to experience as a result of the fact that Christ has come down and dwelt among us? Granted, that's not always a question we think about this season, is it not? And it's such a hard question that we'd rather not even think about it at all and move on to the the idea of what kind of chocolate chip cookie with pumpkin that I wish Abby would make today um, we can have. Not that I'm putting in my order for after church. No, I would never do that in the middle of a sermon. But because the question of what we experience and what we Encounter in Advent and Christmas is so counter to what the world offers us, we would rather sit with what the world gives us than what Christ desires of us. We'd rather sit with the experiences of the world than what Christ calls us to experience and even expect. And in doing so, perhaps we fall into the same aspects of life that our spiritual ancestors did, who expected the Messiah to come, but yet on their terms, on our terms. This passage that we read for a little bit ago, comes to us from Isaiah as we continue in this series in Advent of reading these passages of anticipation from Isaiah that calls us not necessarily to think about the day of Christmas and Christ's coming, but to anticipate living for Christ in the hope of the Advent to come in all of our lives. And we read this passage from Isaiah with a little bit of wonderment about what is he dealing with in that time. Isaiah wrote in a time of a a leader known as King Ahaz. He was one of the successive kings of David's family, David's line that didn't necessarily live up to expectations. He didn't live as someone who had a heart after God which was the expectation of those who lived with David or whom came from David's line, that they would follow in David's footsteps and be not just a mighty warrior king, but also someone who had a heart that sat and looked after and yearned for God. Well, King Ahaz was the king of Judah in a time when Judah felt fear and trepidation over what was taking place with the Assyrians who had just destroyed Israel, which was the northern kingdom. And Judah is feeling threatened, feeling pushed on, feeling like their days were numbered. And they expected Ahaz to lead with righteousness, yet King Ahaz was just like all the other kings that followed David. He lived for himself. He struggled to live with faithfulness. He was more worried about power. He was more worried about acceptance. And he brought in all the other different face of the world than he did uh, following after God. He was just like another king that followed David that couldn't live up to expectations. Whether they were unwilling or unable, but for whatever reason, there were so many of these kings that followed after David that failed to honor God and failed to keep the people safe. They yearned for a new David. They yearned for a David to come who would just be like what they had seen before, but better. And so Isaiah writes of this one who would come from the stump of Jesse. Now, when we talk about Jesse, we're talking about David's dad. Boaz and Ruth's grandson. Isaiah writes that there's this one who will come from the stump of Jesse talking as if the Davidic line is going to be cut off and a new line is going to come off of it. Something new is going to branch out and this new king is going to come and he's going to be mighty. He's going to be powerful. But he's not going to be powerful in the ways of the world. No, this new king is going to come and he's going to be defined by wisdom. Wisdom. A wisdom that comes in knowing God's desires and and an understanding of knowing how to live it out. This new king is going to come and he's going to have righteousness worn as a belt. He's going to be known for living a holy life and living with righteousness of dealing rightly with each other. He's going to desire justice, of yearning for things to be made right and holy and equitable in our relationships with each other and, most importantly, with God. He's going to bring about peace. A peace of a a deep connection. A peace that comes in a relationship with God and a desire to live with content relationships, of being content with each other, of finding the good in each other. This new king, Isaiah says, was coming. And he would bring about true peace to the world. Isaiah offers a picture of, of the, of the long-expected one, of the Messiah. And as, as much as the case with Isaiah's words, there is an implication for how it is experienced in that time as well as for an implication in its greater fulfillment in Christ. There's thought and arguments that, the person that fulfilled it in Isaiah's time or in Isaiah's time frame was this guy by the name of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. He was a righteous king. He sought to do things that honored God. He cleaned up the temple. He got rid of all the false practices from the temple. He cleaned out the temple from any aspect that did not honor God. He brought back the priests. He brought back the right practices of god he sought to treat people with righteousness and justice and peace all sakes and for all argument's sakes we look at king hezekiah in second kings and second chronicles and we think well this is the guy that lived it out but yet there was still war there was still violence Not everything was as God intended still. Hezekiah fulfilled the the not yet as the one was still to come. And that one was the incarnate one, the expectant one, the Messiah, Christ our Lord. The one who came from David's line through Joseph. Joseph. The one who came as true wisdom because as the word of God, he is wisdom incarnate. For he is God. Knew God's will, God's wisdom, God's truth because it was incarnate within his very life and is present with him today. The incarnate one comes as the embodiment of righteousness, of calling those who would follow in the Messiah's footsteps to live with holiness and joy, with seeking justice for one another. And a true sense of contentment that comes not in seeking power or honor or privilege from the world, a true love that comes only in seeking after God in everything that we do. Which leads to true peace of a deep connection with God that's lived out in our relationships with one another that calls us to offer peace of hope and a connection that points people to God. Jesus came as the true Son of David, the true wisdom of this expectant one who calls us who seek to live as Advent people to follow in his footsteps. To seek wisdom that comes from God. To seek righteousness. And to live in peace with each other. A peace that radically reorients everything about our world. For when we are living in true peace that comes in that connection with the Messiah we are able to offer peace and hope into our broken world that changes everything. For the true peace of the Messiah breaks down all the divisions, all the anger, all the hatred, all the violence, all the tribalism, all the favoritism, all the my way, not your way, all the highwayness, all the bitterness that we see in our world today it breaks it all down and calls us to live with a deeper spiritual ethic that says, how can we come together? How can we see with eyes of God that sees the pain of others? How can we hear the cries of those who are calling out for help like God calls and hears? true peace that comes from the Messiah calls us to live in this world quite differently than what the world calls us to live. But yet when our focus is on the world and not of the Messiah, it's easy to see all these things that are going on in our world, all the division, all the hatred, all the violence, all the bigotry, all the injustice, all the struggles as problems too hard to overcome or too challenging to do anything about. We look upon the problems with the eyes of the world and the ears of our world when our heart is not focused in on the peace that comes from the Messiah and the wisdom that comes from the Messiah. And instead of living as a witness of peace in our broken and hurting world, we live as a witness of the world and add more anger, more division, more tribalism, more bigotry and injustice that is already present in the world. And yes, we in the church can do it just as much as anyone else. But when our eyes and our ears are directed to the Messiah, the true one of wisdom, the true one of righteousness, the true one of justice, when we seek to live in that Advent hope of the incarnate one, then we live as a witness of Christ in the places of brokenness in our world. We hear their pain. We hear their stories. We listen with eyes wide open And we seek to be people of peace and righteousness and hope that offers a different way forward than what the world offers. Instead of division, we try to find reconciliation. Instead of anger, we try to find places of encouragement. Instead of bitterness, We find joy. Instead of complaining, we find complimentary attitudes. Instead of looking down the broken and the poor and the forgotten, we find ways to be with them and encourage them and help them along their way. We offer something different because we have experienced something different in our life. And that is the peace of God. As we come with an expectant heart, an advent, we live not with the advent to get us to Christmas. We live with the advent that every day we live with the hope of Christ's return. And so our actions that we do in this Advent time matters for we're paving the way now for people to experience the hope of Christ. So let us pave the way of peace because our eyes have experienced the peace of Christ. Let us do so with eyes wide open knowing that just as we come to the table in a moment to experience the presence of the Incarnate One through bread and juice, we go into this world broken and hurting, not alone, not without someone there with us. We go with the Incarnate One already there, showing us the way to live as people of peace, who give a witness of Christ's peace in broken and hurting times so that every person can say peace on earth and goodwill to all because we've encountered the one who has come from Jesse and his name is Emmanuel God with us will you pray with me? most holy and gracious God Father Lord we give you thanks for this day We give you thanks for your love, for your grace, and your hope amongst us. And Lord, as we enter into this time of communion, help us to live with your love and your grace, but help us to live with your peace in everything that we do. In Christ we pray. Amen.